0: Mr. A here saying, How y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble I bumble like a Gregor flying combo. Standing on the ground, flat, feet, burn, killing worms and jars. And I'm doing it on my terms. Intellect with a little bit of militant. Working like a fire rap because I do it diligent. Welcome to the Pain of the Claim Podcast. I really messed up that intro, but I'm okay with that. Tonight we're going to do a very special edition of the Rumble, and as always, I have the beautiful Donna with me and a very good close friend of mine from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and Max Claim Solutions, Mr. Brent Hooper, and we are so excited about that. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: Good. Excelente.
0: Awesome. So this is a brand spanking new podcast that uh, we have been working on for a while. Brent and I have actually been on and off the phone for the past five years coming up with this idea. And so here we are and you guys get to listen to it first. We are so excited about it. And basically the idea is, is we have come up with some topics that Brent and I are going to be discussing and, uh, it's gonna come to you in three separate rounds, okay? And you will hear kind of what we're talking about at the beginning of each round. And, uh, Donna, our good friend over there, who is also our producer, uh, ring girl, and all around baby cakes, as, uh, Brent likes to call her, <laughs> um, will be introducing the round. So the kind of the idea again is, is we're doing three rounds. Uh, Brent and I will, um, We'll uh, discuss each topic at length. The rounds are 15 minutes or so. And uh, you you will know that it's the end of the round by this sound right here. And as soon as we hear that sound, that means that the round is over and we move on to the next subject. So
2: Quickly, I want to go over the rules real quick.
0: Okay, so, Donna's going to go over the rules.
2: These are the rules. Don't be a jerk. Um, no hitting below the belt. That includes calling out specific adjusters, contractors, or carriers by name, or you will be disqualified.
0: Disqualified. disqualified. Uh, okay.
2: That's it. Those are the rules. Those are the rules.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Listen to me at all times, obey my commands at all times. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are there are no rules. Anyway, again, we are really, really excited about it. So um, I'm kind of ready to jump in, guys. Brent, are you ready?
2: Yeah. Let's... yeah let me introduce our fighters.
0: Oh, just go. Okay. Well, yeah, Donna, okay. introduce our fighters.
2: Uh, our fighters in this corner is Jeremy, the Mouth of the South, Lavelle, and in that corner, yeah, Brent, yeah, the Beast from the East, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's the other one? What's it? What's Brent, the beast from the East Hooper.
0: He's got a bigger fan base than I do, <laughs> yeah. if you can, everybody can hear. There's just a lot of people that really love him. Okay, that's enough. Y'all He's can stop. Jeez, man, there's so many people that clap for him. It's so annoying. <laughs> 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 All right, I, I uh, So, Dr. what's our. <laughs> My wife doesn't even... Cla- Mine does when I leave. Um, <laughs> I get a big round of applause every time I exit. So,
2: Well, our first round, we're going to talk about the right to repair or replace.
0: The right to repair or replace. Let's get after it. <laughs> I really messed I that cannot. up. That is terrible. <laughs> so we're going to have to edit that out. This is yes. I like this <laughs> song. I don't even try. Do Round one <laughs> All right, guys, so the right to repair or replace. Many of you guys who have been adjusters or dealt with desk adjusters, you're working in the public adjuster of the contract, the, the desk adjuster will often tell you that we reserve the right to repair or replace. And where they get that is is in a training class, because I don't think most of them read the policy, to be honest with you. I don't think that they've ever actually cracked open the policy. And the right to repair or replace, typically, they're going to exercise this right as it pertains to how they want Want to approach the settlement of the loss. So by and large, Brent and I are going to be discussing what happens with a replacement cost policy. And in a replacement cost policy, they they reserve the right to either repair the damage or replace the destroyed property. So for example, um, if you have a bunch of flooring that's damaged and they exercise their right to repair, they're only going to repair the damaged portion of flooring. But here's the caveat. They can choose to repair however they still have to achieve that, that pesky little hurdle we all call indemnity. And so the idea of the policy is, is that they have to They have to make you whole, and if they're not making you whole, then they have not fulfilled the provisions of the policy, but often we will see them try to snake out of doing that and claim that they have the right to repair. So, Brent, what say you?
1: I have a question. When is that typically invoked?
0: A lot of times you'll see that in roofs. And we reserve the right to repair or replace. Yeah, and we're going to repair your roof rather than replace it. How about that? And
1: the, uh, my question generally is: <laughs> You're going to repair what based on what? So the policy says, "Hey, we'll, we'll pay the the lesser of the two, right?" And
0: that's what it says. And, yes, and, and, it does, it'll, that, pay the, it'll pay the lesser of the two, and
1: that's totally cool. But insofar as we're trying to achieve that, that. Uh, that, that I word that no one understands. Um, based on what? So you elect to repair it. That's cool. You only and, and the more questions you ask you'll you'll start to uncover the fact that they don't they don't really know why they're saying it other than the fact that they were told to say it. And so we're gonna repair your roof. And that's what we owe for, because we only owe for direct physical loss. That's usually like the next thing in line. When they don't, and so what? Say me is what triggers it. So what triggers you repairing my roof? Do you owe me for repairs or do you owe me for indemnification? And that's where I would that's where I would give you a bounce pass back. It's like which one do you owe me for?
2: Where's the line drawn?
0: Well, again, the the, the bigger question that I would have to ask you, Brent, is how granular do we get with the word repair and how granular do we get to the word replace? Okay. So yeah, even within yep, your yep. repair option to patch a roof, are you not replacing shingles? Does, are you somehow yep. taking a damaged shingle and repairing that shingle without having to remove it? it? And so what I see most commonly is Liberty State Farm Mutual State. Um, <laughs> carrier can live, you know they all every
1: other one but yeah
0: <laughs> well, I mean, by and large, what you'll see across all carriers, it doesn't really matter. I'm not calling any specific one out. What I'm saying is, is that they are that they've been pulled aside and basically goes, we're going to repair roofs. We're not going to replace roofs and we're going to exercise our right to repair versus replace. And I just try to get them all all tied up in is like, so that means you're going to repair damaged shingles. How are you going to repair a damaged shingle? Well, we're going to replace the. Sh- OK, so you don't really know it all. Right. What you're doing here. This is just some shit they told you to say to me and now I want some explanations and you haven't been authorized to do that whatsoever. And so it's incredibly frustrating. It's like yes, you reserve the right to repair or replace so long as indemnity is achieved. And the policy says some really interesting things. This is where the phrase that we use all the time called like, kind, and quality kind of falls in. Is that we will replace it with similar construction, like, kind, and quality materials well, and so that's what they get into go ahead can
1: I, yeah can i interject there see we're, we're using we're using words and, and different different words and expressions that that whether it's you or me or the next public adjuster contractor homeowner sales rep whatever we're using we're using buzz phrases so when when we look at a a estimate and we'll, we'll just use roofing because that's such an easy barometer We want to see a estimate that says, hey, we're, we're replacing the roof versus a estimate that that says, you know, 45 friggin' shingles, right? So on, 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 in one breath, we know that they're replacing the roof. And then on the, on the other side, the 45 friggin' shingles, we're going, oh, that's a repair to the roof. A lot of this stuff is hinged on like semantical nonsense. And correct. I personally, cause you just made, you make a great point. It's like, okay, whether you're replacing the roof in its entirety or replacing a shingle or repairing, uh, you see, you see where that, that there's like gridlock there. That's like a semantical sort of, uh, dizznance. It's, it's, it's annoying as shit. The adjusters use this, hey, we're, we're, we're gonna get ahead and repair it, and we're over here like, well, that doesn't make sense, and we're having this whole repair versus replace thing. In my mind, it's like, hey, if you're not replacing the entire system, my advice would be to try your best to speak their language, as dumb as that might sound, speak their language. If you're replacing the entire system, you're replacing the entire system, whether that's a roofing system, a flooring system, um, an entire wall, painting the entire ceiling, versus the repair over here, which is, you know, forty-five shingles. In the latter, if 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 they're doing some repair, you've got to have that conversation, and you got to start unpacking it from there. Well, why why are we repairing forty-five shingles? And that's that's sort of the that's the conversation starter for me as a. I don't want to get lost in the sauce, is what I'm trying to say, when it comes to Well, the what way I would say, we use let, me, let me interject. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and what I, would say to, what I would say to this is, is what is your goal, Mr. Adjuster? Is your goal to actually indemnify you, to indemnify me or my client, or is your goal to make me go away? Well, is your goal basically to write a check and get out of this situation for as little money as possible, or are you actually seeking to indemnify the client, which is the product that they purchased?
1: Ah, so I I, and I got I totally tailed off there because if I'm the adjuster, I'm responding with, "Well, we're going to repair this roof because it's repairable, and you know this uh, you can go up there and make those repairs with a, a product of like kind and quality, and you should be fine." Like that's that's the shit that we hear.
0: For better, or better, okay. Well, I didn't pay to be fine. I didn't pay to be fine. Well, that's not the that's the, again that goes back to the product that I bought. That's not the product that I. And bought.
1: and you know if I'm and I'm answering your question through a, a quasi role play, it's like well, well, Mister Homeowner or Mister Jeremy Public Adjuster. Hey, look, the homeowner, you know, they bought a three tab shingle. We owe for direct physical loss. So you can go buy that black. You know that that charcoal black shingle three-tab blows. They got a couple bundles. You can go do it, and you can throw them in there, and it's still going to shed water. That's like kind of quality, and that's where it gets that's where it gets lost. That's where it gets weird.
0: You know. So you're telling me that is, okay, then, Mister Adjuster. So what you're telling me is that I can repair the the shingles that have direct physical damage to them by replacing them with new with new shingles okay so so I'm going to replace these damaged shingles with wind creases or hail dents or whatever the case may be I'm going to replace them with new shingles so my question here is this is my question is in the repair world how do I do that without compromising the performance and the integrity of the existing undamaged shingles? Do we not, are we not worried about those at all?
1: Well, so the thing is, again, and I'm sticking with this role play because this is the whole repair versus replace in the context of a roofing system. But if I'm sticking with the role play, the answer from your casual adjuster is, hey, look, we, we, don't, we don't owe for that old shingle. We, you know, we owe for what's damaged. And that's what you run into at the desk level. And, and in some instances, team lead or management level with the carriers, right? So this this repair versus replace can of worms that we're talking about, it extends past sort of what the words mean and proceeds toward. What the hell do you do about it? Because this is an interpretation that for me, sorry, Jeremy, but for me personally and my firm, like with these, we're dealing, you know, I'm not, I'm not working on three claims a month, right? So we're seeing a, a fairly high volume of claims, different causes of loss. But as it relates to this roofing thing, which is very prominent, of course, it's like this is the shit that we're all running into whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, homeowner, it doesn't matter sort of where you're at in, in, the, in the, I guess, the, the hierarchy of the claims thing. Um, it's that these are, that, that's the roadblock. It's like, hey, well, we, we owe for this and that's what we're paying you and by the way, you can go throw a three tab shingle up there or an architectural or whatever and have a great day and, that, and that's, that's kind of how it goes. Right.
0: Well, I don't want to get I don't want to get too too granular here. I don't want to get too. First of all, you're asking me to purchase shingles individually. Okay, you're asking me to essentially purchase and install individual shingles, and I am unaware of individual shingles being sold. As it pertains to maintaining a consistent uniform appearance, which the policy doesn't say anything about. But I, you know, when I talk about like kind and quality, what this kind ain't like that kind and it doesn't look the same and it's not the same. And so like kind and quality are not synonymous terms. It's two things that you're having to achieve. You're having to achieve the quality, and you're having to achieve the like kind. Now, one can say a three-tab shingle is a three-tab shingle is a three-tab shingle. Well, I think it's more than that because that just simply speaks to the quality and the duration and lifespan of the shingle. It does not – so that is a, that's a quality issue. That's, a qual, that, that's the kind of quality that you've got, whereas like kind – like kind would have to do with what i believe consistent you consistent uniform appearance comes in you would have something whereas two three tab shingles one's an english shingle one's a metric shingle and so you're wondering what what the like kind is on that because then there's profile questions there's all sorts of things that are going on that's one number two my question is is why did i pay for a replacement cost value policy what is the point of that? Which brings us- Can you please, Mr. Adjuster, explain to me what the point of a, of a replacement cost policy is? What is the point of paying premium for that if you're just going to repair everything? Which
1: brings us all the way back to the beginning of this repair versus replace in the context. With we, we chose sort of through dialogue. that we, we chose the context of roofing. Well, we as the carrier... Reserve the right to pay the lesser of the two that makes sense, and so let's get back to that, because whether it's you and I talking about it or a room full of PAS or whatever, it's like we could go in circles, right? So what's the what's the under, underscore to all of this? What is it? In the policy, it says. Something to the effect of "We reserve the right to pay the lesser of two things: to repair or replace." My answer is, it's up to us to prove that repairing isn't an
0: option. Doesn't achieve indemnity.
1: That's that's my answer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's and that's and that's what we're because all of this really boils down to proof, right, Brent? All of it boils down to the proof that we can present. Do you know what i'm saying and can we can and, and that's the biggest issue that i think most of us on this side of the fence whether it's whether it's the uh, the contractor the roofing crew that actually does the actual physical labor um the producer of the show you me it doesn't the idea here is is that what we're trying to do is achieve indemnity okay and they appear to be okay with redefining what indemnity is and indemnity is to be put in a pre-loss condition the problem is is i can't take a shingle i can't take all of your shingles put put brand-new shingles on your roof, and then age them 10 years because that's what it would be, right? That's how we actually get them to a pre-loss condition, and we know that that is not achievable. We know that's not achievable. So what the carriers have decided to do is, like, we're not going to do that. There's no way for us to do this without in, without involving betterment into the situation. So what we need to do is charge premium. Enter in the replacement cost value addition a premium because I'm paying for betterment. That's the, I I have paid premium for this. And so while you want to exercise your your option to repair or replace, as long as we have the same goal, because right now you don't have the same goal as I do. You have a goal of get this thing paid for as cheap as we can. You don't have an eye towards coverage and you want to keep this as low as you possibly can. And that is something that I, I paid more money so that I didn't have to settle for that. And that is the biggest issue that I'm driving at here. And this boils down to the policy. This is what we've paid for. I have, I have brought you in as a fiduciary partner to put my needs ahead of your bottom line. And you seem to be more more driven by your bottom line than my needs.
1: And I'm going to continue to play the role of the schmuck. Well,
0: he does it so well. well
1: Jeremy, while I appreciate... All of that, we only owe for direct physical loss.
0: <laughs> but that's not true. You don't owe for direct physical loss. That is that is a that that's what makes it a qualifying event, and that would be my argument. That's what make it. That's what would make it a qualifying event.
1: Baby cakes, can you please give Jeremy the 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 double ring? He won the round.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the. That's the end of round one and. I'd like to talk about Inkpay.
0: Ink. Pay. Inc. Yep. Our good friends over there at Ink are incredible. They have um they have done some really really cool things. Um as far as as far as far InkPay goes, they I, I basically say this about them. This is not their byline by any stretch of the imagination, is they solve more headaches than ibuprofen. <laughs> now, that being said, I would say... I they
2: should <laughs> adopt that as, as their byline. That's so what I think. That's yeah, going to blow yeah,
0: up. We cure more headaches than ibuprofen. Yes. Yeah, I believe it. But <laughs> for better payments and faster restorations, call Ink. You can find them on the World Wide Web at InkPay.com, or you can reach out and call them at 833-GOT-INK-468 four four six five that's eight three three got ink four six eight four four six five and if you use the promo code remedy claims consulting 43 you will get 50 percent off the ink verified sign up fee so get on over to inkpay.com and we will and they will solve any headaches you have with your payments and making sure that you get paid so inkpay.com Dot com. Yeah, there we go. Nice round of applause for those guys. Hey,
1: can I give him a quick, quick plug?
0: Sure. Yeah, jump in there, man. InkPay's awesome.
1: So it's, it's going to be super quick and totally unsolicited, but there's nothing cooler, in my opinion, than a company owner that is so visceral about his approach to changing how stuff works and going after it like a rabbit dog they they took a tumble and he owned it in front of our whole industry and they've made a ton of changes i'm a i'm a customer of theirs and um, i just i just want to give them props because you know they they they're a young a young company doing awesome things and you know and i I give a lot of credit to, okay. to folks that that uh are trying to change the game and they make mistakes and they they acknowledge it i think it's really cool and they're they really are you know what i mean like i just i wanted to give them that that compliment because i think that's awesome
0: they yeah they are absolutely they do
2: appreciate it
0: yeah they do they do i was actually at a at a at an event with them down in miami and those guys were absolutely awesome um Again, I, I can't say enough about those guys, Ryan Holiday and um, Ken, what Ken Ken Lawler. Yeah, those guys are absolutely awesome. Yep. So uh, check out inkpay and uh, and do yourself a favor. Now, this is good for public adjusters. This is also good. Let me tell you a little bit about what they do. I think that's fair. So what they do is you can take uh, you can. All of the checks that you get from the carrier, you can get those um, they will handle all of the processing and one of the biggest things that they do is they deal with the mortgage company for you so you don't have to do all jump through all the hoops that the mortgage company asks for, especially when you've got a uh, a monitored claim where the mortgage company releases it out in segments. Yeah. they are very good about getting some upfront cash to you and they yes. kind of bankroll that money so um most it's of huge, and if you don't have a mortgage company on it here's the fun thing if there's no mortgage company on it it's absolutely free and every check under $40,000 i believe can be deposited electronically mm-hmm. 40,000 above you actually have to have a wet signature on but other than that it's That may uh, be
2: changing soon. I'm not positive but I think that is changing soon. I don't know when but I think it's Cool.
0: Changing soon. Cool. Again, yeah, check out inkpay.com 833 gotink 4684465. Awesome. Awesome.
2: So, round two. You guys ready?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. You ready, Brett?
1: Always.
2: No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's discuss managed repair.
0: The managed repair program. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what a managed yeah, repair yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: What go ahead. Yeah. I, know, it, I love what it. What the hell is managed repair?
0: So, what the hell managed repair is, is... Um, there's several of these programs that are out there. The most commonplace managed repair shows up is in the mitigation world. And there are several of these things where uh, carriers will go out and sign up, see my air quotes preferred contractors. And understand, the reason they're preferred is not because their work is so awesome. The reason they're preferred is that they choose to do things per the guidelines of the carrier. And so the carrier sets forth what it is that they will pay for and what it is that they won't pay for. So, for example, if the carrier has guidelines that fans can sit in your house for three days and they're not going to pay for any more than and it's a guideline. Remember, this is extra contractual items here this is nothing about what the policy says this is what the carrier wants we want every structure dried out in three days because we're not paying for day four five or six we only pay for up to three days okay well the policy doesn't say that but they can find contractors mitigation contractors to to do this for them okay we agree not to charge more than more than three days and that's what they that's what they turn in even if it takes four or five days Okay, but we see this, while it's most common in mitigation, you will see it in exterior, roofing, siding. You'll see it in interior. All of the restoration, all of the restoration work that needs to be done um, after a loss, they'll want to hire the contract, so they hire the contractor. And we, um, it's, not, it's not unlike in medical insurance where they have managed care. And so you go to their doctor, and they they say how much they're going to pay that doctor, and that doctor, as the provider, agrees to only charge X amount of dollars. And this is kind of the thing is that they work with the insurance estimate, manage repair. Um, I personally don't like like it. I don't think it's good for the insured. But Brent, what do you think about it?
1: Well, I think that in theory, it's a beautiful thing. And so, the way I look at it is, if I'm a homeowner and, you know, something happens to my house and I call my insurance company and it's a covered loss, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I really don't. You know, like, what's what's the, the, the metric on claims... Per, per household, like in their lifetime, what do they file one, two, something like that? Like it's some-
0: one every ten years, and in Texas, it's one every seven years. Believe it or not,
1: one at well, okay, well, it,
0: <laughs> that, that those that's the law of large numbers. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and Texas is in the belt, and I'm talking of. I, okay, fair enough. So my my uh, my statistics are are jacked, but in my experience talking to homeowners most of them have been paying for homeowners insurance for 20-30 years and it's their first claim. Period. And I I do believe that there's a statistic out there that, you know, every however many years, but clearly you know more than me. So anyway, how do I feel about these managed repairs? In theory, I think they're brilliant. If I'm a homeowner and I, I have no idea what's going on, then I call my carrier and they're like, hey, We got this, you know, call X company, call Y company, or X and Y company are coming out. X company does this, Y company does that, Z company does this other thing. I'm going, well, shit, it's like a one-stop shop. And in theory, it sounds great. Unfortunately, in my experience, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, theory and practice are two different things, and so that's my, at least my gut check response to that, Um, and it's riddled with complications, shoddy work, terrible responsiveness, Um, you run into liability issues, um, you know. You you call insurance company, insurance company sends out preferred vendor, preferred vendor comes out and damages your property. What's next? Now you end up, as the homeowner, you end up in this issue where it's like, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And as a public adjuster, I am currently working on a couple claims where the stuff is going on. Preferred vendors were sent out. Prefer vendors performed X job. They did a terrible job, and it's like now the now now we're in this snafu, this this rat in a wheel type of feeling where it's like, well, what do we do? And um, yeah, so a little long winded there, but that's that's my initial my feelings. That's that's what that question evokes for me. It's like. In serious well, trade, in it, practice, it doesn't work that
0: way. It really doesn't. And that's the problem, is, is, in, is in the practicality of what actually goes on. Okay, So in theory, offering the homeowner or the insured a turnkey solution to deal with what is otherwise a giant pain in the ass... All they had to do was make the one phone call, and basically the carrier takes it from there. Now, I want to point out a couple of reasons why the carrier might want to do this. One, they get to control cost. Two, um, they get to control the amount of money that they send you by negotiating a more preferred rate from that, um, from that provider. Um, so that provider... Has the same exact challenges as any other provider, non-preferred would have, because he's still paying eighteen dollars a foot for for office space. Can, can I, he's can I still it, having to can pay I, five?
1: Sorry, the, yeah. the provider thing, because I want to I, I want to throw this in there, Jeremy. Much like yourself, I, I talk to mitigation contractors every day, resto guys, whatever, and these guys the refer me work or MCS work, and correct me, correct me if you've had a different experience. They, their their book of business could be, you know, 80-20, 80% program work, 20% outside work, or it could be 50-50, or it could be 80% outside work and 20% program work, Right? The point is, is that any of these guys, whether they're MIT contractors, resto guy, it doesn't matter. They talk about how, like, basically, if they ran their entire business off of the the program work, that being, for the folks that may or may not understand, these preferred vendor gr- networks that they're on, if they ran their business, off yeah. it, they would go out of business. So, that, yeah, that, exactly. That, that's been my experience when I'm talking to these business owners, whether again, independence or when I say independent, I mean, uh, a non-serve pro or Paul Davis. Those are franchises, independent mitigation companies or resto companies. It's like they're on these programs with these these preferred vendor programs and. These guys tell me all the time, it's like, holy smokes. Like, yeah, we get crushed on that because what we should be getting paid or what we should be doing and in turn getting paid, it doesn't work that way because we have to follow the guidelines. And insofar as we want to stay on the program, we have to follow the guidelines. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your, your time, but it's just like
0: all you did was make, and look, if you talk the entire 15 minutes on this thing, I'm fine with it. You know what you. I'm saying? Because. Me too. I, 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 it's like the whole manage. I mean, cause you've got a couple of different things. Often what happens is, is that it's pitched to the homeowner in such a fashion, in such a fashion that it's like, look, Um, If you don't know any contractors, look, we've got this whole list of contractors. We're happy to send a contractor out there. You don't have to worry about paying them anything. In some cases, we may even waive your deductible. Um, We won't even charge you your deductible. And all you have to do is just use our contractor, and they're going to fix your house, and that's the way that it's going to be. Now, however while the carrier picks this person they have no liability for the workmanship that is performed by this provider whatsoever so when they come in and they um and they and they mess up your flooring you you can't call up the carrier and go hey these guys you sent me you know all smelled like weed and and, and beer at, at ten o'clock in the morning you know and my floor is laid in really crooked and in fact um, we don't have wood floors we have carpet but I have wood floors in my house and I'm not really bitching about that but that is what happened and the carrier is just going to go that's really unfortunate you'll have to call them so they're all about they're all about calling them for you until there's a problem but once there is a problem then that's what they are, is your problem. They're no longer the carrier's problem, and that's the biggest issue. That's number one, because what you're sold and what you get are really two different things. So it really has this, number one, this bait-and-switch feel to it. It really does. And if you opt into the program, it's basically pitched to you, and then you get this, and then they come in, and um, and they kind of lowball lowball their estimate. They lowball their estimate. What you're
1: sold, Sorry, Jeremy, I'm talking over you. I shouldn't do that, but I'm going.
0: It's okay. No, I love it. I love it. I love me not talking. What's
1: your sold versus, not as much as versus what you get versus what, you're, what the fuck uh. are you owed? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and according to the policy, you're owed the lesser of two things. But what's interesting is, well, who determines that? Who determines what something costs? The guy that works for the insurance company or, or excuse me, the, the vendor that your insurance company sort of shuffles you into or the guy that you've known 30 years that tells you that it's going to cost a little bit more or perhaps a great deal more? Who's coming in and telling you, hey, right. this is how I have to do it. Versus somebody that's coming in and doing something according to some guidelines that were written by someone that's never been a con- contractor in their life. Like, it, again, like it would, it's, it, it, this could, this could go a million different directions. Like, it's just,
0: well, the the real issue here, the real issue here, is what they're pitched. I mean, because by and large, the perception of most people, believe it or not, by and large, the perception of most people is that insurance overpays for the work that needs to be done at their house, and so opting into the program just means I don't have to jack with it or mess with it. But a lot of people will not join the program in hopes that they get more money that they think that they're going to get the money in their hands the carrier is going to pay me $25,000 and I'm going to be able to get this fixed for 8 and I'm going to net, you know, I'm going to net 17 grand on this thing and that's and and I'll plan my next trip to Vegas and I'll plan, you know, and I'll be I'll be You know, staking out a spot to put the pool in the hot tub because I just made a whole bunch of extra money and that's what they're thinking. So if they opt out of it, but they never really have all of the facts and they don't really understand the guidelines by which the carrier even approaches estimating. And that's the biggest issue. And when you get stuck in one, when you get stuck in it, there are ways that you know, because some policies require that you be in the managed repair program. And if you want to get out of that, there's some creative ways to do that as well. And 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 I'm just going to hit a couple of those in our last couple of minutes. If you're in one and you want to get out of it, there are some pretty key things. And it all basically starts with background checks of workers that are going to be in your home. And you basically can bog them down and beat them up in that respect because no contractor has W-2 employees. Most contractors sub it out. And those people that they're subbing it out to are not part of the managed repair program. And it's like, I've got a bunch of contractors here that are not working towards your guidelines they're just working according to what the general contractor tells them and I don't believe that that's exactly what I've gotten so you haven't handled it and and that basically queers the managed repair program if you want to get out of it is because you can start arguing with the subs
1: can I can I, can um, I throw something
0: in but uh
1: can I throw something sure in? yeah oh, are, are, are we are we exiting this yes yeah. okay um
2: you got one minute.
1: <laughs> it, it's not going to be long. Think of what you would do okay. if you wanted to get the repairs done yourself. Like I, I think, aside from the 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 policy, like some of the technicalities of the policy, I think a, a rule of thumb when it comes to if you're if you have to get these repairs done, and if you're stuck in this managed repair thing, and if that's what your insurance company's beating you down with, or whatever, along with what Jeremy's saying is like, imagine if the insurance company wasn't involved. What questions would you ask to the people that are coming into your house? What would you want to know? And I'll leave it there. Right. You know. Yeah. Because guess what? The same rules apply. Yeah. The same rules apply.
0: Right. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I would say is that you've got to get in there and you've got to figure out exactly who's, and that's called the practicality of what we were talking about. These are great on paper. This looks awesome on a freaking cocktail napkin. But other than that, in the actual, in the actual implementation of getting the work done, it becomes an absolute fiasco because you are completely and totally out of control of what is going on in your house. And the carrier loves it when you hire their contractor because they now become, they, they are now in control of the company. Complete and total narrative. And that is the end of the round. (laughs)
2: Let me jump in real quick. I was afraid to get in the middle of you guys. Um, What is the incentive for the contractor to even do that? If it's so bad for them, if it's a bad deal for them, why do they do it?
0: Lots and lots and lots of work.
2: Yep. Like all, I mean, it's
0: tons of work they get, they get, I mean, it's just because they're on the list because they get so many claims that come in. And so if they're trying to build a business or they work in an area that doesn't, you know, where they can't advertise and it, advertising doesn't really so help. This
2: just comes to them.
0: Yeah. The business, but they have to pay a commission and a royalty on it. So it's, yeah, they have to so pay a commission and a royalty to the program. So, so
2: they're losing money on the deal and they're paying to be part could, of it. That. They
0: could. Time out. So yeah. they have to cut corners. On. I think,
1: yeah, yeah. there's, there's, Donna that Jeremy uh, Donna Jeremy baby cakes you, you should you should postmark that cuz that's that's a really interesting uh a really interesting topic like why would these guys do it not that i own a Mitt company or not but um they they make money you know it's it's not it's not a total loss it's not a it's a loss leader and it generates revenue and guess what insurance insurance companies pay right so
0: yeah, right. But nobody wants a nobody wants a loss leader to take over their business. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, how much time do you want to spend doing free inspections, Brent?
1: Hey, I could name. You
0: know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't work.
1: Well, well, <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a
0: different. So that's segment. the incentive. It's the opportunity at work you know what i mean roofers will even actually have them go out there as a preferred contractor to give an estimate on what it takes to repair it and because that estimate is generally lower you know they think that they're going to get more money i mean it's it's the 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 homeowner never gets all the information and that's really the thing that i don't like about it is you're giving all of the control of your home and who's in and out of your home to the carrier and trust me they control enough as it is and again, I'm gonna hit this one more time because the round is over.
2: <laughs> okay, our next topic, as Dr. Frank Converter would say, it's depreciation.
0: Depreciation is but I'm taking this one. You can't have it. You talked a lot last time, so I'm gonna steal this round. Depreciation is is always something that is they the policy addresses depreciation in that Depreciation will be applied, but it doesn't give any kind of formula or or inkling or idea of how they come up with the number by which they're depreciating it. I am going to assume that most people know what depreciation is, but as a definition, depreciation is replacement cost value. So you come up the uh, your owed actual cash value. An actual cash value is calculated by replacement cost value less depreciation. Well, depreciation is this great big huge X factor because it's arbitrary. It's an absolutely arbitrary number that they pull out of their hind parts and throw at you. Now, there is some thought and consideration as it pertains to age. And different states have different laws on how you can depreciate and what you can depreciate. For example, Florida, you can depreciate material, but you can't depreciate labor. Whereas in Texas, you can depreciate materials, labor, overhead, and profit. You can depreciate all of that stuff. So check your state laws as it pertains to depreciation and what they can depreciate. However, it is an arbitrary number. It can be depreciated on age or condition. Those are the two. Those are the two variables that you're going to look at. Now, Brent, you had a claim recently that you and I had discussed at length, and I want to talk about depreciation. And the reason we even inserted this portion into the show has everything to do with that silly-ass fence claim that you dealt with. (laughs) Where they were want, and I've got a depreciation thing that I want to point out, want to, want to bring in. And remember this, guys, is that depreciation should only be applied when, when a replacement cost value is in, is in, is in, is in the works. So if they're not replacing something, If they're not replacing something, then there should be no depreciation. But carriers love to depreciate everything, even when they're not replacing anything. So that shingle repair that we were talking about in round one, where they're going to replace 47 shingles, they're going to depreciate that shit. You know what I mean? And that is just not something that I think is 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 viable. You should not depreciate a repair. That so if you're gonna exercise the right to repair, you've thrown out you've thrown out the window your opportunity to depreciate anything at all. Because you have opted, you you have exercised your option to repair. So you can just stick that depreciation thing back on the shelf and use it another day when you actually feel like fucking paying a claim that deserves to be paid the way it should be paid so other than that you can suck it because I am going to figure out a way I am going to argue the depreciation and that's why I depreciate my estimates as a public adjuster when I turn something in because I want to control that part of the narrative it's like look while I this this fence is 15 years old this fence is 8 years old and if you look up an exactimate the lifespan of a fence is only supposed to be 15 years and so my fence is eight years old. They're going to depreciate it 50% or just 51%. Well, it's eight years old. And it's like, well, this fence, this particular fence, I need you to understand that I I, I pressure washed it at the beginning of every spring. I put a fresh coat of Thompson's water seal on it, and this thing beads water better than a duck's back, and this thing... And so I have taken care of this fence, and the likelihood of this fence extending beyond... 15 years is really good. In fact, it may go 30 or 40 years. It's 100% clear cedar or or whatever the case may be that it's made out of. If you went to some extra expense, then we've got to look at the depreciation value. And most of the adjusters that come out from the carrier that are giving you this arbitrary number don't have a damn clue about what they're looking at, whether it's a hardwood floor, a roof. And I mean, and there's videos all over the internet of the freaking stupid adjuster that thinks he understands what a roof repair looks like or a fence repair looks like. And and he doesn't. He is I mean, he was a bank teller three months ago. I mean there is no barrier of entry and now you're gonna tell me what my stuff is worth? Oh, please, where is your expertise in this matter? And I just hate the arbitrary nature of depreciation. And so, guys that are public adjusters and contractors out there, when you absolutely know how long this stuff should last in the condition of the damaged property that you're that you're repairing, then we need to speak up. And if you're repairing it, there should be no depreciation. It should just it should just be what it costs to fix it with no depreciation whatsoever. And I had a fence claim too, and there was other things that were going on, and he was going to stain, literally stain, 16 linear feet of 170 total linear feet of fence, and then depreciated the stain. And that is the most ridiculous and he and it was a, it was a whopping twenty eight dollars, and he wanted me to get over the twenty eight dollars now, on offense, it was actual cash value, and you can 't recover the depreciation, so you 're damn right, I wanted my twenty eight bucks. It mattered to me, I was ready to die on that hill, of course, I kind of made him cry, but by the end of the conversation. <laughs>
2: That's another story. He actually
0: even proclaimed that I didn't respect him as an adjuster. And I was like, well, adjust the claim and I'll respect you as an adjuster. But until you do that, no, thank you. He
2: wasn't an adjuster. He was not. He was not adjusting the claim. He was
0: not adjusting. That was the problem. Adjust (laughs) the claim.
2: This is what you get on round three.
0: (laughs) That's all I'm asking for. Do your damn job. Have some rhyme or reason behind what you're doing. Have a method. Have some sense of a direction. I mean, you wouldn't know your name if it wasn't on the badge hanging around your neck, I don't think.
1: So, <laughs> as it relates to depreciation, you used all the words that I would use. The one that comes to mind is arbitrary. Right?
2: No, I thought you were going to say fuck.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <fucking arbitrary>. Um <laughs> and it's annoying. Cause you have age, condition. What else? Age, condition. Come on, help me out.
0: That's it. Age and condition.
1: Cool. And Oh, there is. That That was the third one. And, oh, and you've got stupid <laughs> software called Xactimate or that is That has determined how long how your speech should last. Month, yeah, You know, and we've got folks using this software, this estimating software where they get a good, better, best where they get a drop-down that says 5, 10, 15, 20. You know, you get the point. And it's like... They click a button and they slap a number on it, and it's like, "Hey, this is what we're going to pay you." Well, it gets it gets really interesting. And um, you brought up that claim that I have. It's um, forgive me. It's more than fifty, but less than sixty thousand dollar fence, which by no means is like you know the end of the world, but. When they come out on the first inspection and they give the homeowner nine, thousand dollars to repair the fence, and then the homeowner hires me, and I tell them that for to keep it short, I tell them that the fence needs to be replaced for one through fifty reasons, and then they say, "Hey, hey, you know what, Brent? You're such a good public adjuster that we agree with you. We initially gave the uh, the homeowner nine thousand dollars